Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Grant Hill, and welcome to Movement Culture. This is episode 002. As I started to work harder and harder and harder, it just got easier to work hard. This pain or this hardship could actually be an opportunity to grow elsewhere. I found that when I found the answers inside, I was so much more on fire on my path. I said, there really is an artist in everyone. The top five people you surround yourself with, those are the people who should be kind of challenging you every day to kind of look beyond what you think you're capable of. I think you need that. Chad Cackert on the podcast today. Chad is a former Canadian Football League stud. In 2012, he led the Toronto Argonauts to a world championship and was named MVP of the 100th Grey Cup. He then went on to become the head strength and conditioning coach for the Argonauts and is now a certified fire-breathing badass training for the CrossFit Games. What's up, Chad? Hey, how's it going, Grant? Good, man. Hey, thanks for coming on the show with me. I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm happy to be here. This is going to be fun. You retired from football in May 2017. Is that right? Uh, I guess so. Um, I hadn't really put a date on it just because it, kind of it was kind of a weird exit, which is pretty normal for professional sports. It's rarely ended on the player's terms. I was getting ready for a workout and was like, oh, I'm probably not playing next year. Maybe I should say something. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's, That's kind of how I made that official. Um, but, but yeah, really at that point, it was, um, I knew pretty well that it was a long shot to get another contract offer. Gotcha. Because of the situation I was in. And, um, and I didn't really care <laughs> about getting one. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed what I was doing so much and wanted to give it all of my attention. Um, and so I just pretty much called it there. That's interesting. Did you have a pretty clear vision of what you wanted to do post football? I had no idea what I wanted to do next. Um, and that's where CrossFit came in. Wow. CrossFit's really awesome for athletes, for former professional athletes, because it's such a easy, simple segue. I won't call it easy, but it's a simple segue where you can kind of continue training in the same way. It feeds that competitive fire. Um, And there's a path now with CrossFit. There's a huge ecosystem. There's a global stage. Athletes are making a lot of money. Yeah, there is. Um, I would say that has something to do with it as far as being an athlete and wanting to compete. But but I'd kind of lost that competitive edge. I had other reasons for getting into CrossFit, and um, and it was more of just the everyday person that goes into the into the box, the CrossFit gym, um, looking for something to improve, whether it's their health or their mind. Um, I started CrossFit because 
Um, the truth is I really wanted something to hurt besides my feelings. To be honest. Wow. <laughs> As I was going through a really rough patch and it was, uh, someone had me do CrossFit and it was like, that was painful. Wow. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. And so, um, like you mentioned in the intro, I was the MVP of the hundredth Grey cup and that was, uh, you know, a peak in my career and it will always be a, a memory that I cherish after that season. Um, big contracts came around, a lot of pressure. Um, looking back at it, I didn't handle it well. I wouldn't say I got complacent, but I got careful and I didn't play with the same fire I had. Mm. Instead of having something to prove, I played like there was um, something to keep, uh, which is a really productive mindset in any field. And moving forward from there, um, because I was playing so protected, I ended up getting hurt more, <laughs> which is uh, kind of an oxymoron. Yeah. But grew uh, like you really have to play with everything you have, and it will keep you safer in most cases, unless you're a headhunter. But um, anyway, I went through a week four, uh, tore my MCL in my right knee, and eight weeks later came back. Two plays later, got a concussion. Both of my shoulders were jacked up. Anyway, the team did great without me, which was awesome. When we had a chance to go back to the Grey Cup. Nice. Getting ready for the Eastern final, which is, you know, the game before the Grey Cup. Just in practice, I had an injury that uh, put me on my back, and I looked up and held my leg, and my foot was pretty much turned 90 degrees. Oh, wow. So my fibula had shattered pretty much to like a Rice Krispie treat, mm -hmm. and... Uh, my ankle was completely dislocated. So that was like the final bump in the road yeah. <laughs> for the brick wall. Wow. Um, and like you mentioned, I was uh, hired as a strength coach. Well, that's why. It's because I couldn't play. <laughs> and um, I had a girlfriend out there at the time and wanted to do anything I could to stay in Toronto. So I, I took the strength coach job a year later when I could still not run. And um, that's where that part of the story kicks in. But gotcha. the big injury was when that relationship ended. Mm. So I'm a big softy when it comes to relationships. Nice. So, yeah, that was when um, things started to get really challenging because not only was I not playing anymore, but I was in a different country without my family. And the last person I felt like I really had to hold on to was gone. Mm. And so that was the... That was the rock bottom, and I didn't handle it well. I know this story is, or this podcast is about how to come through in fortitude, which is how to handle adversity with courage. Did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not, but that's why we can't fear failure because it teaches us how to do better next time. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's ever learned anything didn't learn it in one second, and it took me a long time to be happy it happened. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Because that's what people say, and I'd preach that to anybody who's going through a hard time. Like, hey, man, this is going to make you stronger. Because it's true. That's where our strength comes from. But it's really hard to realize it in the moment and to find what exactly is the good in this. Totally. I have a quote on a, in a book on my desk right now called Rising Strong by Brene Brown. And it says, the middle is messy, but that's where the magic happens. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. So how did you find your way out? Well, um, so it was, it was really a cool experience to kind of in one day or in one week 
be forced into retirement against my will because I had an injury and I couldn't play and also be asked to come back and coach and be part of the team in a new way. Cool. Um, and the players, my, you know, my teammates, which were now my, my players at that time were super fired up about it. And I, it was really humbling and I did the best I could as a strength coach that, you know, I got my CSCS, which is your certified strength and conditioning certification and did everything I could to do my best at that job. I really didn't enjoy it though. Mm. I did not enjoy strength and conditioning coaching. It wasn't fun to me. And, uh, but I did it. It was a means to an end. Uh, It was something to do to pass the time until maybe I got healthy again, but I drank a lot. I went out with whoever wanted to go out. Um, and that wasn't just the injury. That was more the breakup stuff. Um, just looking for happiness in all the wrong places, just um, looking for short-term solutions, which end up doing more bad than good. So eventually, um, I, I made a comeback that season in week 14 or so and pulled my hamstring in practice. So back to coaching. Whoa. And not playing it all that year. And got ready to play the next season. And it wasn't until... I think week six. So it had been 22 months since I hurt my ankle and got back into a game. And uh, and I was nervous as hell. To be honest with you, I did not run full speed and didn't plan on running full speed until I got in the game because I was so worried that I would pull my hamstring again mm. like I did in practice. And so I went into a game, and now I'm playing professional football again, strapping up, getting ready to go, and I don't know if I can run. <laughs> wow. But I'd somehow made my way onto the field. And, of course, I didn't tell anybody that. Yeah. But, yeah, it was it was exciting and it was nerve-wracking. But the first time I touched the ball, I just put my head down and ran into a linebacker and ended up on top of him. First down, it was a, a scoring drive. And I was alternating with another running back. But by the end of the game, I was taking all the snaps at running back. And we won. And I cried like a baby after. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So there was some redemption there, which felt really good, but um, redemption isn't always fulfilling long-term because there's still more because right. it's over. Right. Whatever you've done is now accomplished, and now what? Well, now I still have a broken heart and am in a sport that doesn't care about how you feel or how old you are. They only care about what you can do for the team. So Right. Although it was good and it was nice to have that feedback that hard work can pay off, but it only pays off for a moment. And then you have to keep working again. Right. So if we keep moving into uh, that off season, it was, I planned since that, that season went fairly well and I still had a contract and it was like, all right, well, this could be my last year. I'm going to give it everything I have. I'm going to shoot for the starting spot and not just as an alternate. And I went to training camp and got cut before the season started. Oh. So that was a shock. Yeah. Know? But, you know, you're looking at a 30-year-old running back who has had a laundry list of injuries and um, can't stay healthy. And so, sure, it's like, you know, the, the coach told me that he thought I was like a son to him and didn't want to cut me, but, you know, it's business, and that's just how the business goes. So, um, So moving on from there, they ended up bringing me back four days later 
and I didn't dress for a single game that season. But before that, I had been introduced to CrossFit. As a strength and conditioning coach, CrossFit is stupid. Everything you've ever heard about it <laughs> is nonsense. There's no reason to ever do 30 clean and jerks for time, let alone more than five reps. You know, like after that, it's like, okay, we're not trying to get our heart rate too high. Yeah. We just need to pick this up once. You yeah. know, we're looking for 10 second bursts, no less. Yeah, I was. I was Have you done CrossFit? Yet? Yeah, man, I trained hardcore CrossFit for a couple of years. I never had a 117 grace like I saw you put up. But I'm really glad you brought up that point because I was going to ask you, you know, I've been in the fitness industry for 12 years. I'm CFL one. I've coached CrossFit for several years. And, you know, you have the Olympic lifting purists that say that the Olympic lifts are single rep lifts that are designed to be done one time. Pick the bar up, lock it out overhead, put it down. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and then you have the other side of the conversation, which I can respect as well. Because if you compare the top CrossFit athletes on just the Olympic lifts, they're putting up numbers that are giving elite international Olympic lifting specialists a run for their money. And then you add on top of that proficiency in all of the other fitness domains that CrossFit measures. So I can see positives from both sides of the conversation. And dude, you're putting up a 117 grace that beats Matt Frazier's 118. Five, really? Yeah, and it's five seconds off Rich Froning's 111, man. <laughs> yeah, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, you know, it is nice to have the perspective of it, of like coming from the NSCA standards of here's the protocol, here's your periodization, here's how everything works because it's been studied and proved. Right. Well, it hasn't exactly been proved because when you look at defining what fitness is, and this is to kind of go back to the CrossFit Level 1 seminar, but it's hard to argue with this theory. CrossFit defines fitness as um, <clears throat> increased work capacity across broad time, so that could be two minutes or five hours, and different domains. Mm -hmm. So. How fast can you run in two minutes? How far can you get? How far can you get in 60 minutes? Right. How many times can you do a deadlift in two minutes? What if we said do 100 deadlifts in a row? Can you keep up with that? Right. So fitness is everything but specificity. So when you take um, someone who could deadlift 1,000 pounds, have them run a mile, it's going to take them 12 minutes. Have someone who can run a five-minute mile and have them deadlift, they're going to lift maybe 150, 200 pounds. But have someone right. who can deadlift 500 pounds and run a six-minute mile, now you have someone who I would call fit. That's pretty much where I ended off. I had a 450 deadlift, and my mile, I got down to the mid-fives. I can't remember exactly, but I was my mind was pretty blown when I crossed That's the line. That's flying, man. What's that? That's flying. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a, a really high capacity, a high lactic threshold, high pain tolerance. Um, I could crush body weight stuff um, and anything cardiovascular. Where, where I fell short was on Olympic lifting because that was such a new practice to me. It took me more time, especially with the snatch and um, certain things with my posture made that more difficult. Uh, but my back squat, I got to about 
uh, I got 385 in my back squat. Core strength was really good. You know, I think it all comes down to balance at the end of the day, uh, no matter what. You know, because you can you can become a CrossFit specialist too, um, and also just do it too much and and under recover overtrain. Right. Yeah. So those health markers, and and you could probably attest to this. Those health markers of like your one rep max back squat or your mile time. If you're looking for specificity, which is the opposite of balance, and let's say you're training for football, because this is something I'm familiar with. And all you have is your five to 20 second bursts, your change of direction, you need power and you need to be heavy and you need to be strong. What happens is your joints will start to break down eventually. That's another reason why football players hurt is because if they don't take care of their bodies and they just pound away at the weights and getting hit by other people, things will hurt. Your joints will break down. We just can't manage that over too long of a time. But if you take balance to that and get away from the specificity, what happens when you stop running sprints and maybe start jogging a little bit and making that your exercise? Or what happens when you're not lifting for a one rep max deadlift and you start working really good technique at a light weight and um, working at a lot of reps? I felt an immediate improvement to all of my joints. That hurt for a while, like just as I adapted, but with the amount of training I do right now, which is unequaled by anything I did as a football player, I feel healthier because of it and not beat up because nice. there's balance. Nice. So that's the CrossFit argument. And it's easy to, like, if you were to watch the CrossFit games and be like, oh, yeah, I heard that this is a dangerous sport. It looks pretty freaking dangerous when you watch the 40 fittest men and women in the world right. <laughs> doing the things they do. Yeah. That's not what we do in CrossFit. Right, right. Well, switching gears just a little bit, as an athlete, you know, even growing up as a kid, what was it that separated you from the rest? I think it was, and this changes, as a kid, it was when people told me I couldn't do something. Um, I had the gift of speed, which was really helpful, um, but it was nice to know what my gifts were. Um, so when people told me I was too little to play football, that became my drive, was to prove them wrong. I don't recommend that that being everyone's drive is to proving someone wrong. I'd rather it be something that you find that you're passionate about and find your reasons why you're doing it. But as a kid, I think that's what kind of set the fire for me. What about as a pro, as you continue to mature as an athlete? Man, growing up, I liked watching college football because I knew they weren't playing for money, and I decided I would never do that. And if I did ever get paid to play, it would be because I love the game. And I'm probably a little disappointed that I wasn't able to follow through like that. Um, like I was saying, that I started to play with a little bit of uh, protective nature. Um, so it shifted. It was more about making money and hopefully uh, someday being able to provide for a family, um, which makes you not want to get hurt. Right. So <laughs> it shifted. It shifted and it changed the game a little bit. Um, Interesting. Maybe not the answer you're looking for, but um, maybe a forewarning to others going into professional sports. What was one of the biggest life lessons football taught you that, that you can now apply to the rest of your career? I would say probably the monotonous, well, I guess it's not monotonous if you enjoy it, but 
putting in those practice hours to find the results that you want. Um, when it comes to football, it could be running more crisp routes, um, faster change of direction. That stuff doesn't just happen. For some people, they're talented, but they will fade away qu quickly with their complacency. Um, but putting in the hard work, you know, basketball is a good example. Make 10 free throws without missing one before you go home. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Like that little bit of extra work that will put you beyond what your competitors are doing. And that can be applied anywhere, um, whether you're working in a law office or in a CrossFit gym. Yeah, absolutely. What book would you hand someone who dreams of one day being a pro athlete? I'd hand them uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Nice. You know, I have that. Have you read it? I have it right here. Wow. On my desk. Um, and no, actually, I have not read it, but I have it right here. <laughs> and that's a good place to have it. And I would say just, you know, read a passage a day because that's what yeah. it is to him is he just sat down and it was all just reminders to himself. What's funny is most of the or not most, but a lot of those reminders are you're going to die and people are going to forget who you were. Yeah. And, and now here he is, is one of the most famous stoic philosophers of, our, of uh, history. But um, yeah, I got this. To, I got to sit through and read, but you can just pick and choose what you uh, or whenever you have a moment. Let no act be done without a purpose, nor otherwise than according to the perfect principles of art. Hashtag intention. <laughs> I got this on Tim Ferriss's recommendation. Mm. Do you follow Tim Ferriss? I don't follow him as much as I used to because I think that some of his information can be misleading, which I could explain, but I've really benefited from um, following him for years. Yeah, absolutely. How do you feel like his info can be misleading? Um, <clears throat> the premise behind the four-hour body, four-hour chef, four-hour work week um, can be easily misinterpreted as you don't have to work so much. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, was, I was watching a video last night where he actually addressed that and he's like, he's like, yeah, four hour this, four hour that, but it's not to promote laziness. It's to promote to, yeah. it's to teach efficiency. And he's like, right. you know, even, you know, people like to follow me around and ask me, you know, can I do a production and just follow you around for a day, for a week or whatever. And, and he's like, they expect to see just like this super well-oiled machine. He's got, you know, everything dialed down to the, to the nth degree every single second. And um, he's like, it's just not like that, you know? Um, right. But I, I do, uh, I respect the efficiency approach for sure. And he's, he says, you know, just make sure you're, you're doing the right type of work because you can be busy and lazy at the same time because your work isn't being put in in the right place, you know? So it's inter yeah. interesting perspective. I'm sure he gets that all the time. Yeah, and I'm not saying that as a, um, as a diss to him or as anything that's negative, but for me, I found more specifically is when it came to training and it was like, these people were putting this many numbers. Like the whole premise of the four hour body was that he spent 30 minutes working out twice a week for a month, which accumulates to four hours and he dropped body fat and added muscle mass. 
And if you don't understand, and this was even coming from myself who had a background in um, kinesiology, is I applied that to my football training, and it did not go well. Oh, I got strong and shit, <laughs> but yeah. my body hurt like hell because I wasn't smart enough to decipher of like, this is not for football players. This is for people just looking to bulk. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Right. So you just got to be discerning about what you're taking. I I can make a hell of a cup of coffee thanks to Tim Ferriss. I've gotten better <laughs> at anything in the kitchen thanks to that book. So Nice. Very thankful for Tim. Awesome. But be careful with him. Yeah. Any mind-body practices that you incorporate on a daily basis? Yeah. Um, the first thing I do every morning is 10 burpees, and that sounds super douchey probably <laughs> for people who aren't crossfitters but uh i was talking to one of my the coaches on the staff at cfdc and i was like man i really suck at burpees which sounds funny because it's such a simple movement and we do them all the time but it's like i don't know if i get bored or why i just slow down but he's like here you go every morning before you take a piss 10 burpees nice and i've gone i think 40 days straight um but that, and I read um, a passage out of Ryan Holiday's The Daily Stoic. Nice. Um, so that's kind of the gist of my morning routine. It changes depending on if I have time for breakfast or if I'm coaching in the morning. Um, but those two things hold strong. Um, and to end the day, I like to do um, a stretching routine, which is kind of coupled as my meditative practice, where you're just thinking about your breathing and listening to your body. Awesome. And uh, you're a singer-songwriter too, right? That's where Adam Wilson comes in. Yeah, that's our mutual buddy. Yeah, man. So how does music play a role in your life? It comes and goes. Um, I was glad that Adam had that influence on me. We were 15. and Have you had Adam on the show? No, not yet. Um, we, were, we were in choir together in high school, and he was new to the school. Um, and I remember watching him and a couple guys play a song on acoustic guitars and there was harmonies and different guitar parts and it sounded like I should have been paying to watch this and after I was like Adam who wrote that song and he's like oh we just wrote that the other day Wow! and it was kind of like unlock this we're capable of that <laughs> at wow. this age and uh, and it became a very cathartic practice as well as uh, just learning a new skill so very grateful for Adam not only for that but for uh, setting this up too yeah, uh, for sure. He's a great, great friend. And yeah, I'll definitely get him on the show for sure. Tons of respect for what he does professionally and, and personally too. So one thing that you touched on earlier with CrossFit, there's something within you that I want to see if we can extract is your passion for leading others through CrossFit. What is it with CrossFit as an experience that inspires you to want to share that with others as a coach and as an athlete? Yeah, I'm glad you asked, and this is kind of bringing that full circle. Um, so like I was saying, when I started doing CrossFit, when I got over the, like, CrossFit is stupid, which just took doing one workout to <laughs> be humble, <laughs> you yeah, know? totally. Um, is honestly, for me, it was that I was still, you know, I think at that point it was two years after the breakup, I was still really struggling with those thoughts and how to manage that heartbreak and get through it and move on. And that's without any contact with that person. And it was just 
my own struggle and it hurt and doing CrossFit really hurt. I wasn't getting hit in football games anymore. My injuries were healed up and it was just finally something else hurt. <laughs> Honestly, that's why CrossFit became so appealing. Um, among other reasons that it's all measured and you can compete with it and that kind of stuff. But it was like, what drove me to the gym was all right, let's make yourself hurt a different way, which sounds masochistic or even sadistic. It's crazy. I know. But, um, but then the pain went away. The, the emotional pain went away. I was able to manage, um, everything else. And I just, this clarity of mind Wow. and being a professional athlete, you can, you can use your platform for other people, but I didn't as much as I could have. And I finally found a way where I could take something that I knew worked that brought, that could potentially bring happiness to people through the best way possible, which isn't just exercise. It's learning that adversity will make you stronger. And CrossFit is a practice. It's an everyday practice that I'm going to suffer and it's going to make me stronger. And you see those physical results. So if you can take that experience and apply it to what happens when your heart hurts, can't you see now that this is actually going to make your heart stronger? Or what if I lost a job? Well, can't you see now that this pain or this hardship could actually be an opportunity to grow elsewhere? And we see that story playing out over and over and over. So after that football season ended and I pretty much realized I wasn't going to be playing anymore, I got my level one just really to pass time and do something that I thought I would enjoy and help other people. And after a couple weeks, I decided that's what I wanted to do. It was more coaching than training, but it's kind of nice that the two go together and complement themselves because I'm learning as an athlete and as a coach. So that's kind of why I got into coaching CrossFit. That's amazing, man. And you really hit the nail on the head there. What we're really doing in the box is simulating the life experiences, the challenges, the difficulties that we'll inevitably face and testing our inner strength, our fortitude and our toughness. Yeah, absolutely. So game season is here, man. The Open is coming up. Yeah, yeah, the Open is coming up. I'm not even looking past that, but yeah, you got to get past the Open to go any further. Have you competed in the Open? Yeah, I I was reaching for regionals. It was either 2014 or 2015. Um, but but yeah, it's like mind-blowing uh, the numbers that people are putting up because they're like people like you, former pro athletes, former college athletes, and just animals. Yeah, those benchmark numbers are, are getting crazy. And you can look at the Open and, as a sport and find out what health markers you need. Yeah. Um, but I will say there's a couple ways to approach the Open. There's there's the 10% of people who do the Open because they want to get to the next level of the regionals, um, which is great. If CrossFit is your sport, your competitive sport, and that's your goal, you can get hurt. We'll have shoulder injuries and knees or whatever. Um, it gets dangerous when you push your threshold like that. Mm -hmm. But for the other 99% of people that aren't going to get there, I really encourage, if any of y'all are listening and thinking about doing the Open, which starts here on February 22nd, it's about community and it's about seeing if you're a little more fit than you were the year before. And you know your body, you're probably not going to push yourself to injury. I haven't seen it happen. But it's a really great experience and it's something to do as a community member. But if you are training for the Open 
as a, a means to get to regionals. It gets, it gets pretty dicey. You got to get real familiar yeah. with that pain cave. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I will never forget the, the feeling of doing those open workouts as a box with, you know, your comrades cheering you on and, you know, every, the box is filled with the whole community. People are drinking beers, having a good time. And that was really, really fun. And I think where the heart of CrossFit really comes through in the community aspect where everybody is rooting for you, no matter who you are, no matter if you're the regionals athlete or the stay-at-home mom or the teenager or the grandpa or the adaptive athlete, everybody's there cheering for you to bring out the best that's within you. And, yeah, uh, the Friday Night Lights atmosphere. Yeah, to totally. Well, good luck, man. I, I think I think you have a really bright future with CrossFit. Like you said earlier, your size was an obstacle to overcome with football, but with CrossFit, you're ideal. Yeah, man. It's, it's kind of weird wanting to be a little bit lighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Rich Froning's 5'9". I think he's around the same height as you. I don't know about weight-wise, but like that's the wheelhouse. Yeah. How about that? A sport for short people. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Chad, for coming on the show today. I wish you the best of luck as you train for the games. And I have a feeling that we'll be seeing you in the 2018 CrossFit Games come August in Madison, Wisconsin. I appreciate that. And thanks for having me on. It's fun to talk about yourself every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys. Grant again. If anything this episode resonated with you, take a screenshot Share it to your social media and tag at MVMTCLTR. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you join us again next time on Movement Culture. Peace out. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.